Coming up, one and easy, simple way that you can use to increase your mobile game revenue. Well, today's guest shares why adding rewarded surveys can double your revenue, even with as little as 20 daily active users. Also, you'll discover why rewarded surveys increase your app's engagement, what types of content is best for rewarded surveys, and finally, what are the components of a very successful monetization scheme? All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. AppRadar will save you time with their unified and connected ASO workflow and save you money with their Apple Search Ads team who will optimize your campaigns and increase your ROAS. Go to AppRadar.com to learn more. With over 120 million happy users, Theorem Reach is helping app developers make more money with fun, rewarded surveys that you can easily add to your app. Go check out theoremreach.com to learn more. What is up, App Nation? Welcome to another App Masters Virtual Summit where we talk to some amazing app entrepreneurs out there, amazing app platforms to really understand how they can help us better grow, better retain, and better monetize our apps. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest joining me from his basement during these crazy times. And I was like, look, I'm from my garage and I could just uncover this and show you what my garage looks like. But I want to introduce the guest. He is the co-founder and CEO at Thurum Reach. Tom Hammond and Thermon Reach will allow you to better monetize your apps by using surveys. So I'm going to talk all about how you started this platform and also when is the right time to ask for these surveys, Tom. So without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Tom Hammond. Tom, welcome to the summit. Thanks. No, it's really great to be here. It's, yeah, kind of crazy times to, to be living in, but, uh, you know, I'm glad that I'm able to work from home, even if I am regulated down to the basement here. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we do what we can. I wish I had a basement because I'm in a garage and my dog is literally going inside and out. Sometimes I have my family coming in and out and I have all this background noise. I'm like, just put me in a basement. Put me in a little room that nobody else can bother me in. But Tom, let me talk about this. Like, tell me a little bit about Thermum Reach and what were you seeing in the market that made you want to start this company? Sure. Um, well, I can give you the unfiltered story of how I originally came up with the idea for Theorem Reach. The better unfiltered, so, the better. I like that better. <laughs> I, I've always kind of had the entrepreneurial sickness where, you know, I see something and rather than just appreciating it for what it is, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But what if we change this? So, you know, a little over six years ago, there was an app that came out um, where they basically show you an uh, ad on your lock screen whenever you unlock your phone, you get paid yep. for that. Yep. And I was like, well, that's cool. But what if we asked you a question instead? And how this kind of merged into the idea is at that time, I was playing way more Clash of Clans than I'd like to admit. And I really wanted my fifth builder. And I just refused to spend $20 on the game. And so one of the players that they absolutely hated, but I was like, I'm not spending money on this game. And then it kind of clicked. I was like, what if I could take surveys to get these gems for free because I do that all day. I don't want to spend my money though. And that's kind of how Serum Reach was born. It's like, well, why don't we give mobile game publishers a way to monetize their non-paying users like me and give us a way that we can more engage with that game to get that content for free. And at the same time, 
you know, market researchers, it continues to get harder and harder for them to find and reach people. And let's bridge the gap and give them people right where they're at, which is on their smartphones, playing apps and games. Why surveys? Is it because you knew that people were paying more for surveys, more for this market research, but why surveys? So, you know, I think at the time there were some other things out there like offer walls, like Tapjoid kind of come around with like CPI offers and stuff. And I'd actually done a few of those as a user. And I often found that like you'd go through and you would do all this stuff and then you wouldn't actually get a reward. And I just found it really frustrating. Um, and at the same time, I think surveys kind of have a bit of a bad taste. Um, so everyone has maybe fallen for that, you know, click here and take a survey to get a $50 Amazon gift card once and you like get into it and you realize like this isn't even a survey. They're just showing me a bunch of ads and stuff and eventually you, you give up and you quit. And so it kind of has this distasteful um, aspect to it. But when you actually get into real market research surveys that are asking you real things, it's actually pretty engaging and fun. Um, something that a lot of people don't realize is um, people like sharing information about themselves. So when I get to share something about myself, I get a little serotonin release as if I'm playing a game. And the best part is when you actually have a real survey asking you about something that you find interesting, let's say arts and crafts, it's fun and engaging. You get to share something, you get that serotonin response. At the end, you get a bunch of diamonds, which is great. Then you can go back to your game, spend and use those diamonds, which gives you more of a serotonin response. And it's just this, you know, win, win, win all around the board. And market researchers get that information to give back to their clients to make better products and services. You know, I always find when you're building a product like this, a company like this, it's you're merging two worlds, right? You need the mobile game developers to integrate it. You need the survey providers to integrate it. What, mm. what did you start off with first when you were first thinking about this? So uh, we ended up kind of starting a little bit more with uh, the survey providers. Um, the really great thing with mobile games, which is kind of where we uh, target, is that you know most mobile games are already international and they already have pretty large, pretty engaged audiences and things like that. So really our focus was how do we make sure we have enough inventory to fill the needs of users so that if we turn it on, you know, users can actually find and engage in a survey because it's not a great user experience to say, oh, take surveys and get gems. And then they get in and they're like, oh, there's no surveys for you to take. Um, so that was kind of our focus for the first few years of the company, just really ramping up that market research side of the business. Now, using surveys besides, let's say, like rewarded videos, I'm assuming just the reason we want to use surveys is higher payouts. Is there any other reasons besides that? You know, usually when I talk to publishers about a monetization strategy, um, I like to point out that users are different people and everyone has different things that they prefer or like to do. Um, some people like having an offer wall where they can download and try other games and, you know, get gems back in this game for it. Um, some people love surveys, love being able to share their opinions and things, um, and they'll ferociously go after this. Other people like watching a lot of videos, and then, you know, your small portion of users where you're gonna get a lot of revenue from would be your paying users. So, you know, I typically say, do it all. Like, as long as you're monetizing every aspect of them, you're boosting your overall ARPED out and LTV of users. And the other thing that we found is when you have things like rewarded video, rewarded surveys incorporated into your app, retention rates are actually higher because your non-paying users are more likely to stick around if you give them an avenue to earn this stuff. And what we see with a lot of games, 
especially in categories like strategy or casino or puzzle games where users have a much longer lifespan and they really understand the value of the currency, rewarded surveys will become like the way that I get my gems. And if something ever goes wrong, they're like, I, I need my surveys because I got to get that. And you see a lot of users that are, you know, taking hundred plus dollars worth of surveys, you know, over their lifespan. And so you actually start to have like whale survey users that are a part of it. So usually our recommendation is, you know, give users options. You know, some might try rewarded surveys and might like them. Same thing with the rewarded video. But as long as users have options, they kind of feel empowered to choose. And they really appreciate that from mobile publishers. Do you find that maybe more like the gems? So I know there's different currency levels, right? Like gems <laughs> are more powerful than like the coins, right? And so do you find that, hey, for like these higher value currencies, virtual currencies, that's where you should start incorporating some of the surveys? You know, it, it depends a little bit. And, it, you know, I feel like we usually like to look at each game's economy separately to, you know, make sure that we're doing the right things for you. Um, generally, we found that the more spendable a currency is, the more likely they're to take um, more surveys. So an example that uh, we saw early on was we had a poker app where just about every user that came in would take like $10 worth of surveys right away to get enough poker chips to enter into like the highest level uh, tournaments and stuff. And then we found that unless they're really bad at poker, they didn't come back and take surveys that often, maybe like once a week or once every two weeks to get a recharge. Um, but then you look at like a slots app where, you know, just about every day they'd come in, they'd take a few surveys to get some, you know, tokens for the slots then they'd spend them. The next day, they kind of come back and repeat that. So the overall arc DAO was a little bit higher for the slots game because they're coming back and doing it every day. Um, but for that LTV, poker app still saw a pretty good uh, return there too. So it kind of depends on, you know, how fast can you spend that currency too and how much do I want it? I like, I like that you put it that way. Are you helping? Like once a game developer says, all right, Tom, I want to work with you guys. Do you guys help with like when's the best time to do it or do they already pretty much know? You know, some of them have a good idea of where they want to do it or where they want to show it. But um, we definitely do offer to sit down and help them look through their monetization strategies. I mean, oftentimes, you know, we, we're even working with an active publisher right now on revamping their rewarded video strategy, which we don't really have anything associated with, but we happen to know a lot about just monetization and how can you fit this into your overall scheme to boost your overall ARPDAO, um, especially for your non-paying users. So um, that's something we love to do. If we can make a publisher more successful, whether it's rewarded surveys or offer walls or in our purchases, anything, we want to just help folks be successful because when you're successful, ultimately we're successful too. I want to learn some of those best practices, but one app that Fundrun3, and you, I know one of the developers or one of the co-founders from there, but essentially what I found with them was, you know, these daily bonuses that people have that are great for retention. They're also great for monetization. So give people an option to double up on this daily bonus through a rewarded video or through a rewarded survey. What are some other best practices that you found that, hey, look guys, these are some key components that you need to have in a very successful monetization scheme? Yeah, um, I think something that I like to look for is, you know, just looking for like a baseline ARP DAO, like especially if you're talking to a in-app purchase, really heavy focused game, you know, they might have an ARP DAO that's between 20 to 50 cents. Um, but that's coming pretty much exclusively from their paying players. And you look at all these non-paying players and you're like, you're just leaving a lot of money on the table because 
most analytics systems are sophisticated enough to be able to figure out that within a handful of actions, if a player is going to be a paying player or not. And once you identify that this person is never going to pay for something, stop really showing them the offers that they're not going to engage with. Instead, you could, you know, show them an offer for taking rewarded surveys or, you know, start to incorporate some more ads, forced ads, options for rewarded videos and stuff in there. So I usually shoot for a baseline of between five to 10 cent ARP DAO, depending on session length and how many sessions and stuff that you have per day, you know, just coming from ads and stuff. And then you can kind of layer offer walls and rewarded surveys on top of that. Um, which will ultimately boost your overall ARP DAO. Um, but, you know, it's just something that a lot of them are just kind of leaving on the table. And I think there's huge opportunities there. So true. There's a game that I love, and it was a past client of mine, but Bricks Block Splash. And I love this game. Tom, I was playing this all the time, but I would barely play. And I would pay because I was like, oh, this is a past client. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay some stuff. But honestly, I'm like, here's a great spot. Here's a great spot. I just want to sit down with them for like a day and be like, look, I play this game. I'm probably the highest level player you got in this game. Yeah. And you're leaving so much money on the table where that you can really start monetizing. Oh, yeah. You find that a lot with other game developers. Like, they focus so much on developing a great game that they almost forget about the business side of it. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely that aspect there. And there's oftentimes a lot of fear related to, you know, one uh, UA, I spend a lot acquiring this user. If I show them ads, are, you know, they going to get acquired elsewhere? Because obviously that's what I did to acquire them in the first place. So I know that it works. Um, two, you know, if I show them too many ads or something like that, are they just going to churn and never come back? But, you know, something that I reiterate there is like, well, you know, yeah, you might lose a few players by showing them a few more ads or four screens or things like that. Um, but at the same time, if they're a non-payer and you're going to earn nothing on them in their entire lives, you might as well earn something now. Um, and the players that suffer through maybe a little bit more of a, a subpar user experience are going to generate you a lot more revenue that you're leaving on the table right now. Um, so, you, you know, you just got to kind of talk through that um, and, and figure out what's the right mix. And we really recommend, you know, start small, uh, fire some bullets before you fire cannonballs and put ads everywhere in your app and just track and measure and figure out, you know, what's the right balance for me for boosting my ARP DAO as well as, you know, capturing some of this money that we're leaving on the table right now. When it's been just another minute on this, but like, I feel like the hyper casual games, they understand that their LTV is very, it's like a short lifespan, right? That they have in the app. So they're just gonna pop up ads. You know, they're gonna try to get you in the like the 17 days or however many days you're gonna play this game. And then you're gonna leave for the next one. Whereas the longer ones, they're like so like, oh, we have this player. We're going to keep them in. We're, they're going to play a lot. It's just like sometimes there's a balance between the two, right? Like you can't just be so shy about not wanting to monetize, trying to alienate. And kind of like what you said, like, yeah, they're never going to pay, man. Like maybe you need to get a little bit. And what you said before, they're going to stay longer because you're giving them a little bit extra that they can use within the app as well. Yeah, totally. Okay. Didn't know you wanted to add more on it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tom, like what the next thing I want to talk about is as a game developer, it'd be like, how long is it going to take for them to play, you know, fill out a survey? Is that, that, that becomes a concern of mine. If I'm a game developer, like I don't want to take it away because what if the survey is too long and they just end up leaving that survey? Yeah. So that's a, a great question. Something that does come up quite a bit. Um, 
you know, the way that we've designed our surveys, you know, at one point we tried to limit it of like, oh, we'll only serve, you know, really, really short surveys and stuff to users. And eventually we kind of created this thing that we call the survey wall, um, which is almost like an offer wall of surveys. And what we'll do is we'll give you, okay, here's like a one minute survey for maybe 25 cents worth of content up to maybe like a 16 minute survey for like five or $10 worth of content. And the user's kind of empowered, again, coming back to the giving users a choice, I can be like, oh, I want to sink, you know, 15 minutes in right now and get enough content for the rest of the week or I don't have much time. So I'll just take this, you know, one minute survey, get a quick, you know, 250 coins and get back to my game. And so by empowering users, um, we found that that's much more successful. Users are happy. You know, they can sort based on, you know, payouts and lengths and things like that. Um, and, you know, even if you look at offer walls, um, something that people don't really realize there are a lot of their high payout offers, the uh, pay per engagement things, you know, you got to get to level 10 and whatever that takes like 20, 20, yeah. 30 hours sometimes of like user participation and, and focused work and stuff like that. And so, you know, you probably don't realize how much time users are spending doing these other things anyway. Um, so it's not too invasive. And, you know, if you can do a one minute survey and get, 25 cents of earnings, you know, that'd be like 25 videos that the user would have to, to watch to get something equivalent there too. So, um, you know, 25 videos would be like 12 minutes of their time anyway. So, so it, it, it's a balance. Yeah. What I tend to do with video ads is like, I'll watch it and I'll walk away. And get some yeah. You know what I mean? That's pretty common. Yeah. Where a survey, you can't, like, you know, the user is engaged. They got to fill it out. There's an action that a user has to take as well. So I think it's a win-win to the person who needs that survey and obviously the win to the developer because of the higher payout. Yeah. I, I think we found something like 83% of users uh, found that surveys were more fun to engage with than video ads. And like 74% thought that video ads were really repetitive just because they tend to see like the same ad for a game over and over and over again. Do you have a, maybe a customer that you're like, hey, they're really incorporating surveys really well that we can point to and maybe even have them on and interview them too? Uh, yeah. Um, so we're in a game called Disney Heroes Battle Mode. Nice. Um, Disney, nice, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, so something that they've done um, that's pretty cool um, that I haven't seen a lot of other folks do is again, they have really robust analytics around figuring out, you know, is this person going to be a paying player or not? And so by default um, on their like purchase screen, um, they don't really show their offer walls or video or rewarded surveys. Um, once they figure out that you're not a paying player, if you go back to that screen, they kind of call out, you know, you know, click here to take surveys or something. So it's much more in your face. Um, and, and they just do a good job of kind of de-risking because they don't want to lose out on that in-app purchase revenue if they are going to be a purchaser. But once they figure out that they're not there, they kind of move over to this model where let's try to, you know, earn $100 from this user for taking surveys or doing offers and things like that. Now, Tom, I want to get into, I get this question all the time too, like what advice do you have to those who are game publishers, they want to launch their own game studio? What kind of advice do you have for these guys? Sure. That's a, a great question. So um, I think before I even get into the core concept of gaming or whatnot, um, <laughs> I like to look at it at a company level. Um, 
one of the most meaningful books that I've read is uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, um, which is essentially, you know, a lot of game developers, when they're trying to start a studio, they have a really good idea for like a game, but oftentimes that game won't work out or whatnot. And then when it doesn't work out, you, you kind of fall apart because you don't have some bigger purpose and stuff. So um, at Theorem Reach, our purpose is to give every user a voice that matters. <clears throat> you know, we believe that if every company in the world, and there's like 220 million companies, can connect more with their customers, with politicians, constituents, things like that, you know, how much better could the products and the services and things that are built, you know, just come about and truly change the world? So, you know, everything that we do, we do to try to accomplish that mission. So some things we try, it doesn't work out. We might try something else, but it kind of helps us work towards that. Um, it also makes decisions a lot easier. If, you know, something shiny pops up and you say, well, does that help us achieve our vision? Yes. Okay, let's do it. If not, then throw it out and don't even think about it again. And I think a lot of game publishers or, you know, indie devs that are looking into it don't really start with setting out this larger purpose of what can we do as a company to really make the world a better place or to achieve this goal. And I think when you set that goal first and you build your company and your culture and everything around that, it just makes it so much easier to move forward. Um, so that would probably be the, the biggest thing that I would say, you know, if you're really looking to do kind of start with the why <laughs> read that book. Um, and then I think the other most important thing would be just start doing something, just do it. Um, you know, when I started theorem reach, um, I didn't know how to code. Um, I had this idea. Uh, I was struggling to find a technical co-founder because I thought that's what you had to do. Um, thought we needed to raise money, do all these things. And um, I got some pretty sad advice from uh, an advisor of ours. It was like, well, you, you kind of figured out some of this HTML, CSS stuff. Why don't you just teach yourself how to code and do it? And I was like, well, the only thing that I can really control in my life is me. And so I just did it. And so I, you know, built the first version of Theorem Reach and we were getting revenue and doing things. Mind you, it's all been replaced by much smarter people than me. You know, we brought in a CTO. He made it like a thousand times more fast and efficient and stuff like that. But it was a great learning experience for me. I know how coding works. I can ask for things in a much more efficient manner and stuff. But like, just do it. Just get out there and build something and keep pushing forward uh, because sitting around and thinking about it isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah. And you'll learn, right? And yeah. I, I've, I, I hear from all these game developers that tend to be on Google Play as well. I'm like, I have this game. I launched it. I put it together and I get no downloads. What do I do next? And I'm like, you know, all the big successes in the world, the color switches, the, the crossy roads that are not big studio ones. This wasn't their first game. Like this was their 41st for Color Switch. I, I know that David well. And Matthew, he's been creating games since he was 12 who created Crossy World. Like this is not their first go around, dude. Like you yeah. might think that it is. Keep creating it. I think David who created Color Switch said it so much. This was his 41st game and he had no like real, I, he had an end goal obviously to make it a success, games a success, but it wasn't like, he was like, oh, harping on one game. How come this doesn't work? He was just like, I want to make more. I'm going to make more. I'm going to make more. And then he started figuring out like what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. No, and I think you just got to keep going. And I think that's one of the reasons that I recommend, you know, starting with your mission first, because probably your first game isn't going to work. Maybe not even your 10th game, but, you know, somewhere in there, you know, you can find some alignment. Um, I think the other things that I recommend is, 
just studying the data out there, um, figuring out like, should you build this game? Is there an appetite for it? Can you compete in such a way with other um, avenues to actually take stuff away? Um, I think a lot of folks don't really think about the business side. It's like, oh, I have this cool game idea. Well, maybe it's a cool game idea, but like, are the mechanics going to change too much? Are you going to be able to attract users? Um, are you going to be able to acquire them and have a positive ROI on that? Um, there, there's a lot of things that you want to think about before you spend the time building something, you know, start with your vision, figure out, you know, what are some games that I can do that will help me achieve that vision that also have a high probability of being commercially successful, you know, if you're looking to build a business. Now, if you don't really care about, you know, earning money on that or whatnot, then, you know, build whatever you want. But if you actually want to build a business, make sure that what you're building has a high potential uh, opportunity for success and then build that thing. And it might not be your cool idea right now, but it actually has a high likelihood of uh, allowing you to be successful enough that you can go on to build your next game. Um, and I think that's something that um, I, I struggled with at theorem reach a little bit was like, okay, I have this long-term vision and it almost felt like we were like faking it till we make it every step along the way. And, and that just kind of continues to be the iterative thing of like, you keep going and building something next and eventually you're getting closer to that thing that you envisioned. Um, but it just takes a long time and it's a stepwise process. When you first started out there one reach, did you have the SDK? Like you taught yourself how to put an SDK into an app? Uh, yeah, so the, <laughs> I, I, I did build that, but not right away. While I was building it, um, we're actually a bootstrapped company. Um, since we needed to make revenue, um, we actually uh, started partnering with like offer walls and stuff to fill the uh, user side of things. And we just started selling to market researchers to get that revenue, which allowed us to keep going. And then eventually we were able to replace those with SDK integrations and, and kind of keep scaling up from there and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I was kind of like, well, we are in apps and games, but it was kind of through like third party partnerships and stuff at first. And, and that was just like, you just got to keep going stepwise and pushing it forward and, and make things happen. Um, so. I love that story, Tom. That's awesome, man. It shows the grit, right? Like it, it is a great story to tell. And now that you're sort of in this now, you have the SDK, you got a great platform. Like, it's a great story to tell. Like, when you're in it, you're like, this sucks. This is not what I would envision, right? But when you're out of it, you're like, oh, man, that, was, that taught me so much more. And I'm so thankful to have that experience as well. Yeah. No. Hey, the other thing I want to talk to you about is you said start with why. Has your why changed since the beginning? So I think originally we had a little bit of, uh, well, we hadn't really set a why at first, I guess I would say. Um, and so it was more just how do we discover what our why is once we actually get to that point. And so once we really sat down and took a look at, you know, what's our company, what have we been trying to achieve all along? Our why kind of became clear and our vision kind of became clear, but how we were doing it wasn't really crystal clear amongst everyone on the team. So once we really sat that down and really communicated that out to the team, everyone was kind of like, oh yeah, that's what we've been doing. Like, it makes sense. We've been working towards that, but now I truly understand that we're working towards that. And so as things come up, you know, we can see, do they align with that or do they not? Um, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's important to mention that if you don't know it yet or you haven't figured it out with it, don't worry, like it's going to start crystallizing, but it's important to have that 
sort of endpoint, but also think about like starting like your, your first two sort of <laughs> tips where like start with the why, but also like get going. Like if you don't get going, that why is never going to crystallize and it can change. It'll, it'll, it'll take different forms and then it'll become a clearer message, but you got to get going too. As well. Yeah. It's almost the same as, you know, when we sat down and defined what our core values were, you know, at first we didn't really have that. And then um, I think there was a book called Traction that goes through a process of how you can do that. And what they do is they um, basically have you write on a whiteboard all the things that you like about, you know, different people at your company, what, what embodies theorem reach. And then you go through and you cross out all the things and you argue a bunch and then you figure out, oh, well, pretty much everything that we're saying here comes down to like these three or four things. And those must be our core values and because it embodies everyone here on the team. And so now we can communicate that out. And that seemed like, you know, helps our hiring process because this is what we're about. And if you're about those things, you're going to do great here. So, yeah. So cool. So cool. The the website is beautiful, by the way. I don't know if you still did this, Dom, but I, I love the, the website. It looks so beautiful. Thanks. I uh, unfortunately do not have any sort of artistic abilities, but <laughs> uh, I did marry my wife, who's very talented, and uh, we do have a really talented design team. So we're very lucky there. Are there certain types of category of games, whether it's match three or puzzle games, even hyper casual games that you see Theorem Reach being a better fit for, or is it all inclusive? Sure. Um, I would say rewarded surveys tend to not be super uh, great in like hyper casual games or games that have pretty low retention rates or turnover rates. And really the reason for that is that um, games like strategy or casino or puzzle games where they have that longer retention, you know, over the length of the game, the content in that game becomes more valuable to users or even in a game like Clash of Clans, like early on you can spend $20 and you can like upgrade everything in your base. And then once you get to like level nine or 10, you can spend $20 and like upgrade like a very single piece of, you know, uh, an archer tower or something like that. And so the currency is like, well, you know, I'm not gonna spend money anymore because it's so expensive. But if there was a way that I could still get those gems, like I realize how valuable they are because I, you know, purchased stuff earlier. So generally we found that those longer retention games, users are much more avid to get to the, the free stuff or they'll kind of supplement it where they're like, well, you know, I don't want to spend $10 right now. So I'll take a few surveys and they come back tomorrow and they're like, oh, I really want to get that, you know, upgrade in uh, my design home. So I'm just going to spend the $10 right now because I don't have time to take surveys and stuff like that. And it kind of becomes blended. But generally, the longer the lifespan of the game, um, the better surveys are going to do because users understand the value of what that currency is. Whereas like, you know, in a hyper casual game, oftentimes they don't even have currencies for you to take. But even if they do, you know, why do I need to take a survey to get coins right now? I don't even know how to like use those things. And I probably won't stick around long enough where it'll be, you know, useful enough for me. Like, you know, a hyper casual game could still probably make some revenue from it, but you're not going to have those users that are going to take, you know, $100, $200 worth of surveys just because they're not around long enough. Hey, Tom, is there anything I miss that you want to make sure we cover? I don't think so. You know, I think if anyone wants to talk to us, about rewarded surveys or any other, you know, just general monetization questions. We love going through apps and figuring out like, what's the best monetization strategy for you? How can we help you make more money? You know, if it includes rewarded surveys, great. If we can help you boost your ad revenue, great. You know, we, we just love helping publishers be successful.
Yeah, I love it too. And I think, you know, when you go to the website, like take Tom on, up on this offer, you know, he's a genuine guy. Cause I always tell game publishers, like sometimes they come to us too early or just, they haven't figured out all of it. And it is these little tiny tweaks that in my opinion, make a huge difference that if you're getting, here's my philosophy on this, Tom, like you t- feel free to disagree. But like, if you got a hundred, 200 downloads a day and you're getting organically, or maybe you're doing some paid acquisition, you're early on in that growth stage and you're in that tinkering stage. Well then, figure out how to better monetize that 100 users. Like don't think about downloads all the time. Like figure out how to better monetize the people that are coming right now. Oh yeah. No, I, you know, I, we've had some, some of our early games were like, I don't know, 20 to 200 daily active users. And, and they're like, you know, I added surveys and it added an extra, you know, thousand dollars a month to me. And it didn't take away from ads and it didn't take away from in-app purchases. And it was, is great for me. And I'm just an indie dev. So I was able to do that on a few more apps and, now it's pretty much paying the bills for me. That's so cool, right? Like it is that important. It is to do that. Hey, D, have you guys tried any non-games? Yeah, you know, we've also gotten into like dating apps or, or texting apps. Generally, we look for um, apps that have some sort of rewarded currency um, just because it, it tends to tie best back with, uh, with surveys. That's awesome. Well, the website is Thermal Reach. You can click on the, the links, any of the links in the video below as well. Go check them out and reach out to the guys there because if you got a game, like Tom said, if you're getting 20, get 20 daily active users, that's enough to make extra money. So figure out how to better monetize that 20. Once again, thermoreach.com. Tom, if the audience wants to follow up, say thank you for coming on or even you know connect with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere else? No, I mean, you guys can always just email me directly Tom at theoremreach.com. I love talking to folks. And, you know, if I can't help you, I'm sure I can find someone that can. Awesome. Tom, I hope to do more things with you in the future. Congrats on your success. Congrats on just launching it. I love that grit story, that early story. You got to share more of that, man. I really loved it. But thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Sounds good. Thank you much, man. Thank you guys for watching. I'll see you on the next interview. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.